This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This Pine Tower for Breakfast episode is brought to you by Yingling Lager. Elevate your taste, spread your wings. Today we have one of my good friends, former manager of mine, Dusty Wathen, third base coach of your Philadelphia Phillies. Talk everything Phillies and what's going on right now, right here on Pine Tower for Breakfast. In the air to left field, going back on it. It is gone! Kevin Franzen sends everybody home. Ball there, coming down. down. What up? And welcome to another episode of Pine Tar for Breakfast. I am your host, Kevin Franzen, at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. And today I'm going to be joined by a very special guest, special friend, third base coach for your Philadelphia Phillies, Dusty Wathen. But before then, look, it's been tough. It's uh, part of this whole thing when we got going. Um, there could have been, uh, and there obviously has been an outbreak of COVID-19 within a clubhouse. Luckily, it is not ours. We hope for the best for everything from the Miami Marlins. Um, but again, this is a part of where we are right now in 2020, and it's a little selfish. Obviously, from their side, if if reports are true and going out and being uh, trying to be free of you know oh nothing's happening well you know what the game major league baseball the fans need this they really do let's be selfless please not selfish so with that little little opening for you you know really strong hot take for you i want to bring on a guest one of my former managers all of three games now the uh third base coach here for the philadelphia phillies dusty wathen what's up buddy how's it going just uh just here hanging out how's your routine right now <laughs> uh lack thereof um <laughs> i think right now um you know you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable and that's where we're at right now is it isn't that the i i feel like that's the expression um most coaches would have told us when we're young in, in the minor in minor league baseball it, it goes all the way through the big leagues it's Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, I think the minor leagues have prepared me for this a little bit because mm-hmm. things are so scattered. I mean, you know, buses break down, buses catch fire, hotel rooms aren't ready, you know, nobody puts a tarp on a field, just all these crazy things that happen in the minor leagues that never happen in the big leagues. I think that's kind of where we're at. I mean, we're just playing everything by ear. So I think, I think uh, you know, the guys that have been in the minor leagues for a while are a little bit more comfortable with, I think, the situation. But I wouldn't say anybody's real comfortable with what's going on. Well, I'm going to say that uh, the nice thing about being in the big leagues and not in the minor leagues for you is that you don't have to control everything and have to decide on everything. <laughs> oh, for manager. sure. <laughs> oh, no. No, trust me. Yeah, this is, I mean, uh, I just do what they tell me to do now. You know, we yeah. got all kinds of people that are in charge of all those things. So, uh, yeah, I definitely don't have to have to uh, make any decisions on on any of that stuff so that is definitely nice right now and especially in these times i can't imagine having 
make some of these decisions. We'll, we'll get into, you know, some of the, the stuff that's going on. But, you know, baseball over the weekend, uh, we had three weeks of summer camp. Then we finally opened up. Uh, Friday night was not exactly opening night how we wanted it to be. But also Sandy Alcantara was, I mean, he was um, unbelievable at 97 with the, just a nasty changeup. But just being back and you know the games mattering without fans is is one thing but i mean just the games mattering again what was it just the games mattering and being back right in action um you know it was it was special i think you know all the layoff um all the anticipation all of the you know being at home quarantine everything to be able to actually get on a field even without fans um but to be around the guys the coaches the staff and everything and be out there and know that we're playing for something a meaningful game uh it was exciting especially after you know summer camp and you know going through spring training and then coming back to summer camp and you know everything that went into that um you know even longer than normal days because of social distancing and getting guys in and out in small groups so uh, it was really cool to be back out there and you know it's it's a place that i've been my whole life so to be out on a field and and being part of a baseball game was was pretty cool well when you, I think a lot of people just didn't really get like summer camp before all the inter squad games and everything, and and like the timing. Like, what were you like? What was the timing for for coaches? Because obviously players were spread out throughout the whole thing, two areas in FDR Park and and Citizens Bank Park. But for yourself, like, how long were you at the field? Yeah, I mean, they were. We were there probably. I don't know, ten hours a day or something, eight to ten hours a day by the end of it, probably because, you know, like you'd have normally we would come in and everybody come and stretch together and then everybody take BP together. You know, you'd have four groups and, and all those things. But, uh, instead we were doing kind of a group of four. Um, they would do their defense all together or, you know, in one group kind of, uh, and then they would hit and then they'd do their conditioning. And then, then you'd have a lull time of, you know, 10, 15 minutes. The next group would come out and they would do their same thing along with the pitchers being staggered in different areas. So, you know, there was just some downtime that had to happen um, that normally in baseball, you know, a, a guy like Rob Thompson would have no dead time, but he had to change his whole plan and build in dead time. So, um, you know, that was, I think, the the, the kind of weird or, or unusual thing to, to see just kind of us kind of standing around for a while. I think a lot of, you know, conversation would go between, you know, the players and, and the camaraderie that they built up and everything. But what about with the coaches? I mean, through this time, it, it, it's been obviously crazy for everyone. Um, but I think we should, you know, po- you know, put them in pods and the whole thing. Players are one thing in, in building camaraderie during the, the downtime. But I feel like as coaches, you guys were on calls and doing stuff with the organization. What was, what was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I always tell everybody that this pandemic came at a time when at least we have the ability to communicate uh, via, you know, Skype or Zoom or iPhones and all that stuff. I mean, I can't imagine if this happened 20 years ago, Um, you know, the landlines would have been packed, but uh, it was three way call. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Party line. Yeah. Phone, phone lines would have been busy for like crazy, but, it was good you know i mean a lot of us you know we text each other um you know funny things or whatever you're doing pictures and stuff like that to kind of keep keep in touch and you know we have a great group um you know we all get along uh one common goal a bunch of baseball guys so it's really cool and you know it was tough being away from the guys because i felt like you know especially with joe Dillon coming in and and joe girardi and 
and Brian Price, you know, it was great to, to get around those guys. And then all of a sudden, right when everything was kind of clicking with the coaching staff on top of it, you know, you, you need to get on the road and kind of have everybody together. You know how normal yeah. spring training is. Everybody leaves after the game and goes home. But, you know, there's some time hanging out in the clubhouse. But, you know, it was nice to get back to that, um, be around those guys. So, um, you know, it was it was weird. But we I think we did a pretty good job of, of keeping in contact. And Joe kept us up to date all the time what was going on. And this is the, the the question that gets asked to me all the time, uh, and I I'm not going to sit here and and you know sugarcoat anything. Joe Girardi and Gabe Kapler are different people. Doesn't mean that one's better than the other. Gabe Kapler was a good human being. Now, when it comes to the being at the field and you know keeping guy, you know just a, a, a manager, right? And, and Joe Girardi, there's a difference in leadership. I think. Doesn't mean that you know one's better person than the other, but there's a different leadership style. Has that been easy to adjust to? I think so. I think Joe's Joe's been tremendous. I think you know the experience that he's had, being a former catcher, myself being a former catcher, getting to listen to his some of his stories about when he was playing and then when he was managing. You know the different places he's managed. I mean, he managed probably in one of the smaller markets that you could possibly manage in, as far as you know attendance and stuff, and then the biggest one in the world. Yeah. Uh, so everything that he's been through is just something special for me, myself, to just listen to and, and learn from and just be a sponge as much as I can just because the guy's done everything. So uh, and, and he's so cool, calm, collected. He's been through almost every situation you could think of in a dugout, you know, on travel. And, I mean, he's just been tremendous through this whole thing. And um, I feel blessed uh, to be a part of his staff right now. I think it's crazy. I've talked to him a bunch about – I've told you. Like, you and I have had conversations about catching because I love catching. I love the art of catching. There's, a, like, the whole thing that comes – you know, a, you know, goes about it, whether it's the, the, the pitch calling, the blocking, the uh, pitch framing, the you, you know, for, for most guys, the throwing, uh, the footwork. Every, there's so much to it. But asking, like, and talking to Joe Girardi about, you know, just – how he went about things. And he was talking about just the amount of data that he would have as a catcher back in the day and how he used a lot of that, what they had. Um, is it, is it fun to be able to like see someone that played in that era where a lot of guys questioned the, the new analytics that understands the analytics and is able to like, you know, also combine the feel for the catching position. Yeah. I mean, I, I love it because he, He's tremendous at gathering all the data and then making still a baseball decision off of mm -hmm. what he sees, what he feels, and what the data says. And I think that is, in my opinion, probably the perfect storm uh, to run a ball club is to be able to have that feel because, you know, it's, it's just you have to know your players. You have to know what they're feeling. Um, you know, for instance, pitchers that throw one day, the next day you're not getting the same guy. There's no way you're getting the same guy if he's pitching on back-to-back -back days. You know, players that, that especially with no fans. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> um, but but even any other time, you know, I, I've seen already this season. Um, you know, just watching games and stuff that the guys are pitching. You know, four out of six days and things like that. And you know, you're just not getting the same guy uh, on that fourth day that you, that you were getting the first day. So I think the feel of how they feel and 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 knowing uh, what's best for the player because sometimes you know. As a manager, as a coach, your job is to do the best for the player and to keep themselves from getting in their own way sometimes because you know how it is as a player, yeah. myself included. Um, you know, I'm never going to say I can't do something because I think I can. I honestly think I can. But sometimes 
it probably wasn't the best case for me to go out there another day or, or to be in a certain situation. There was there was somebody better to put in that situation at that time. And um, as a competitor, you're never going to say that because um, you don't feel that. But, you know, to have a guy that, that sees that from the outside and, and knows the numbers and knows the feel of the players, that's that's a special guy. For someone that's being uh, old, uh, anyway, at 46 years old uh, and pretty much been around the game your entire life, uh, and, and catching has been a, a, a pride thing for you as well, right? I mean, that, that being a catcher is prideful. Uh, a lot goes into it. What are things that you've learned from Joe Girardi? Just on maybe maybe learned. I don't know. Maybe there maybe there's nothing. But I mean, as as far as ideas being bounced around. Well, I think you know there, a lot of things that I've learned. Um, You're a big have, man. You and, didn't you didn't address the old part. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I think, you know, just the different styles, because obviously the catching, uh, like the style of catching kind of, if you watch video, it's just changed over the years. But it's almost gone back to some of the stuff. You watch some old, old video, and there's some yeah. guys catching on one knee. Oh, of um, course. Are, people are shocked. Bob Boone all like, the time. Yeah, but people don't remember it, right? And and Booney was one of the best of his era, and so it really not never got questioned. And, and also, we didn't have – everything to measure things and all the games weren't on TV uh, nationally and you couldn't go on an app and watch it. So now it's a big thing. So now it's, it's the big thing is most guys, a lot of guys are catching on one knee, which isn't the end of the world, but we talk about stuff like that all the time. You know, is, is this the best thing for that player? Because mm-hmm. just because one guy does it on one knee and, and has success with it doesn't mean it's right for the next guy. It's like, I, I compare it to a, a batting stance. Like just because one guy has an open stance and his hands are low, doesn't mean that's, how everybody should do things, you know, the yeah. next guy might come up with, with his hands high in a closed stance. So uh, I think things run their course. So I think that's pretty cool because we're almost from Joe's just a little bit older than me. You know, um, I think we're about 10 years apart or so. And so he played just a little bit before me. And then, then, you know, I came and played obviously not at the major league level for what he did, but through the minor leagues and saw a lot of playing. And then I have my dad who's a little bit older yep. to kind of, to rest things on. And then I have, you know, Bob Stumpo and Greg Brzezinski to, to bounce things off that are behind me. So it's pretty cool to see the generations be able to work together and talk talk through things and figure out what we think is the best um, for our catchers. Bob Stumpo, Stumpo Repo. Yeah, no, it, <laughs> you know what's amazing is that like just the collaborative uh, feeling that it, that you guys have, a team within that catching group with Greg, Bob, Joe, yourself. It's fun to watch because I feel like – there's, it's not like, oh, well, that was my thing I did. I taught him that. It was like, we're, we're all in this together. We're all, you know, throwing off ideas to each other. The best part is it doesn't matter that Joe Girardi played, you know, however many years in the big leagues, you know, 10-plus years in the big leagues, been managing in the big leagues for 10-plus years, and he's not acting like the know-it-all. He is no, bouncing ideas off, and that's special. Yeah, it is. I mean, and that's why he's so good is he is so collaborative and he wants everybody's opinion and I love that he gets everybody's opinion and then he's going to make a decision on things and that's you know the sign of a great leader in my opinion as somebody that can take all the information with all the people around him because that's why you hire coaches that's why you hire all these people around you because you know those are guys you trust that you trust their opinion and and you want guys that are going to give their opinion and I think that's the kind of group that he has he's going to get a bunch of guys that are going to give their opinion and not feel ashamed or, you know, trying to keep their job by giving a certain opinion that they want 
they think the manager wants to know. They're going to give their opinion what they see. And to me, that's how you get the best out of the whole situation, the players and everything. Because, you know, you run across a lot of coaches and, and, and players, too, that will give the opinion of what they think somebody wants to hear. And to me, that's a difficult situation because that's not what I want to hear. I want to hear what you think because I might not be looking at something uh, in the same way, and, and maybe I'm totally wrong. And I think that's that's special when you have a group like that. Well, it's the same. Does it go? Do you find that it goes the same way as having, you know, two two hitting coaches? You know, obviously there's the main hitting coach and the assistant hitting coach, but maybe one guy sees one thing over the other. Like I, I've I've talked about this, Dusty. Uh, I think I could do the hitting coach thing, and then I'm, I step back and I'm going, I don't because I see hitting in in. I, I bet you I could expand, you know, my, my thoughts, but the way I did it, I'm not saying is the, is the way, but it's the best way I know. And me talking to a power hitter at times, I feel like that eh, just doesn't make, yeah, you know, it just doesn't make sense. But having those different minds in there, it just makes for a, uh, a, a melded, like a bigger mind, right? I mean, it makes it all for one because every air aspect of catching or whatever is hit because you have all different types of people. Yeah, I, I, I mean that it's very well said. I think you know everybody does things different. Everybody sees things differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can watch uh, mechanics of, of a swing or mechanics of a guy catching, and you know I might see something that Stumpo doesn't see. Stumpo might see something that I don't see. Joe sees something that you know neither one of us sees. Or, uh, so I mean, it, it it's just good because it's checks and balances too. So you know yeah. we're always watching video games, and you know then after the games. The next day, a lot of times we'll just sit around and talk, not as much with Joe because he's got a lot of stuff going on, but, you know, Greg and, and Stump and I, you know, we'll just say, hey, did you see the one pitch inside to that lefty that we got? You know, what do you think or whatever? Or did you see this? Or, you know, I might say something, oh, I saw this. And Stump say, oh, I didn't see that. And Stump, Stump might say something to me, hey, did you see this? And I said, oh, I didn't notice that. Okay. And then you're like, so it's shut just- it, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's just one more one more thing because there, there's so much stuff going on that you know the more eyes you have on something the more we can cover and the more honest we are with each other um and just there's really no ego so it, that's the biggest thing really well your dad was a big league catcher right and and you you talk about it not only catching but also managing um and you you reference that you you know the way your dad is has seen it what does he think about the catching position now from your dad's perspective well you know, I mean, he's he's a quote unquote old school guy. I mm-hmm. mean, he you know he disagrees with a lot of stuff, but you know, when I start showing him numbers on things, and then he says, "Well, okay, well maybe you know, uh, maybe that's right. You no, know, maybe it's not right." And uh, you know, it's it's just the game's different now. But you know, there's things that that work now that are always going to work. I think there's things that that have evolved through the years, like we talked about on the one knee with with Booney back in the day. And, yeah. Um, you know, so I mean, I I think just the way where your hand position is, things like that. And it's good because some guys need a different way, so you get all these different ideas. And I talk to my dad about different things, managing and catching and, and things like that. So it's 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 good to be able to talk to all these different people and and get ideas because I think once you think you figured it out, you're in big trouble. So you're always trying to learn things, even from the past, even from history of the game, uh, to help you in the future of the game. I, I've all I mean I've talked to you so much about. Yeah, so many different things. I, I feel like even in, you know, whether it's spring training when I was playing or when I was there for a few days in Clearwater when you were managing me, 
uh, rehab assignment. Um, anyway, I think, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, but for you, 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 you grew up around the game. You watched your dad manage. You understand the game of catching. You caught yourself. You go through the minor league grind. It, it, it just – your perspective on catching is unique. I mean, more than in – more than in an individual sense. And I ask this because I feel like we're watching someone that I, I feel like we sometimes take for granted in JT, you know. And I know you guys don't, but, I mean, I feel like as fans, we kind of take him for granted because he's so damn good, like – what is it about JT for you that just throw like is beyond special? Well, I mean, he is. First of all, he's athletic. I mean, he's unbelievably bit. athletic. You know, <laughs> I mean, normally a guy that's that athletic doesn't end up behind the plate. But thank goodness that the Marlins decided to put him behind the plate right away because you know now he's the best in baseball. I think his work ethic. I mean, he has the total package. The work ethic. The physicality, the athleticism, um, you know, the want to, everything is there. And it's just really, really special. And, I mean, we talk, we see some stuff on video and people are like, oh, that was really good. And, you know, we'll sit in the clubhouse and go, how did he do that? That's that's not supposed to happen like that. Like, that doesn't happen like that. How did that happen? And we're rewinding video and rewinding it. You're like, I don't understand it, but JT did it. So, and to his credit. When we got him from the Marlins, his receiving was probably just around average to maybe a tick below. And from the first day on, he said, all right, guys, let's do whatever we have to do to make me better. And this is a guy, established major league player at the time, one of the best catchers in baseball, saying, do whatever you need to do to make me better. I trust you guys, which right there was awesome because right away we started working on stuff. And... You know, most guys, we were going to try to slowly break in. Okay, JT, let's, you know, let's try to work on this. And, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll slowly work it in. He's like, no, we'll do it today. And, I mean, he just went right into the games and, and started doing stuff that and trying stuff. And if you go back and watch his first spring training game or first couple, there was it was it was not very good. I mean, he had a couple wild pitches and things like that um, because he was just trying things out. And it was awesome. And we figured things out real fast because he was willing to say, let's do this to make me better. And from then on, it's, it's been special. For, for fans that, you know, the kids are out there and they'll hopefully listen to this. Hopefully not. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But what would you tell them? Like as far as parents with, you know, kids that want to catch, like what, what would be your biggest advice? I'm sure you've given it plenty in, in your lifetime for kids. What would, what would it be? Uh, the biggest advice for catching is, you know, you can catch you can catch at any time in your life. I I think kids get stuck at catcher too early in their life, mm-hmm. though. Um, I think you know play every position that you can possibly play. Not that doesn't only go for catcher, but that goes for shortstop. That goes for third base, first base. In my opinion, kids should be moved around the the, the diamond as much right. as possible. That's Nobody should think. get yeah. shortstop at twelve years old. Yep. You know, you should have eight shortstops on your team. You should have eight catchers. Obviously, there's going to be some kids that are like, it's too hot. I don't want to do it. So, <laughs> so that's understandable, you know. But, you know, you should have four or five kids that want to catch and and, and don't get pigeonholed a catcher. I mean, I, I think that's how I grew up playing. That's how my dad grew up playing. That's how my son's growing up playing. Um, that we're just – we want to be athletes first and move them around. But, you know, uh, 
the catching will come and it has to be something that a kid really enjoys eventually. Uh, I think it's, it's one of those things that sometimes it's, it's kind of shiny cause you get all these special tools and yeah. uh, tools of ignorance, but you get them, but nowadays they're all shiny, right? Like yep. you get fancy this and fancy that. So kids like that. And then they get back. They're like, this stinks. It's hot. And the, their balls are hitting me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go play shortstop. I, you know, I loved catching growing up. Like it was my, Sadly enough, so being in in San Jose, California, my whole life, my brother being at Stanford for uh, battling his cancer off and on for 19 years, we I went to a lot of Stanford baseball camps, and AJ Hinch was a catcher there at the time, and he had tape on the top of his mask, and I wanted to be that, and it, it, it's like the catching position was always fun. I loved blocking balls, I loved letting like telling my best friend who was the pitcher throwing off the back wall because we're going to get the guy because they're just going to steal. It's going to bounce right back to me. We're going to throw him out. And it, like, worked all the time. But it's like yeah. – but it was a want to, right? I mean, catching is more in more than any other position in the game. It is a want to position. And it's like if a kid was willing to, I mean, it, you would always want him to feel like what it's like to be back there to control a game or, you know, just be able to sit back there and, and, and catch, you know, maybe one of their best friends. Yeah, it's. Fun. I mean, it, uh, I think that's a good point. You know, they they have to want to do it, and it's the one position probably that you have to really want to do. Um, you know, every kid that goes out and plays wants to hit first, and then they'll then play end up playing defense. But not every kid's going to want to catch. Um, they might want to at a certain point, but that first foul tip and it it might be game over. I'm going back out to the middle of the infield somewhere or something like that. But the want to is there, and it's it's fun. It's it's. it's I mean, to me. I can't imagine consistently playing another position. I think my last year I actually played more games at first base than I did catching. Um, but, and you know, you, you kind of get bored at first, even yeah. though you're still close to the infield and everything, whatever. But, you know, when you're catching, you're, you're constantly thinking of everything that's going on in the game. And then you go back to the dugout and they're like, you're up. And you're like, oh, gosh, I got a hit. <laughs> you know, and that's what it is. I mean, it, it's just, you know, I had some of my best at bats in the eighth inning on a day game when it was smoking hot and I'm like, just give me the bat. Just let me get out of here. And the next thing you know, you hit a double and you're like, Oh, I didn't even want to run the bases. Oh my goodness. And this is what happens because you're so relaxed or whatever. And yeah. you're not even thinking about your bats. So I think that's part of it too. Well, it's funny. Cause I think a lot of people, you know, when you think catching, you're like, Oh, the dog days of summer. That's why they're not hitting. You know, they're tired. Yeah. That's one. That's a part of it. But what you said exactly is your my as a catcher, a good catcher, a great catcher, is not thinking about that offensive side. It's constantly thinking about the pitcher, the game, the 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 how the position, like just seeing how everything's going, the rhythm of it. Like the hitting almost takes a back seat sometimes. That you're going, guys. That you know, if if I could stay locked in on both, it'd be a lot. But I mean, it'd be wonderful. But it's making sure that I don't regress the defensive side more than anything to help this team win. Yeah, really. I mean, I think so much of your mental focus and your preparation is on the pitching staff on the defensive side when you're catching um, that it takes a hit on a lot of catchers. And people say, you know, there's no good hitting catchers. Well, there's just not enough time in the day to prepare yourself to be a defensive catcher and an offensive catcher. Um, and the guys that do it, like JT, um, they're special. It, it, I, don't, I don't know how you can constantly do it day in and day out. Um, other than to say that they're special and, and they're just wired a little bit different. And it's 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 a pretty neat thing to see. It. Um, he can prepare like he does on the defensive side of it and, and go up there and hit like he does on the offensive side of it. It's 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 something that 
most people don't think about it or recognize how much goes into the game planning side of it fully in on defense compared to an infielder and outfielder you know those guys take their ground balls and things like that but the preparation off the field um for an infielder and outfielder it's not real high as far as where do i play most of the time you're told where to play you know this is where you're going to play and you have a little bit of feel as the game goes on but that's just more a visual uh thing on reading swings and things as the more with dusty Wathen, third base coach of your philadelphia phillies right here on pie tar for breakfast after these messages tap into your inner eagle and spread your wings with yingling traditional lager a bold amber color near 200 years in the making all american brew so plug in rock out and let the night take flight yingling traditional lager spread your wings dg yingling and son Pottsville, pennsylvania please drink responsibly few more minutes here with the great Dusty Wathen as he joins us right here on Pine Tar for breakfast. Uh, look, I, I, I just I can't get over the fact that a guy like JT uh, has the quickest release in the game and also has the best arm in the game. Like, that's that's the part that I can't wrap my head around. Usually you like, like played with Benji Molina one of the quickest releases you'll ever see not the greatest arm but accurate and on you know just right there but jt's all of it i mean it, it i or how hard is it to just fathom having all of that you know in one player it's i mean like i said like we look the next day and just say like how did he do that sometimes i mean there's things he just does and he i don't think he's ever practiced them it's just the way the ball comes out of his hand or you know his footwork one time or he'll throw one out you know i mean he might throw one off a, off one knee or, you know, out of a knee. And we, we've talked about that. Like, you think you can throw out of one? Yeah, I could throw off of one knee. Why not? Okay, well. And then next thing you know, he does it. And then you're like, wow. It's just, And that's I the mean, wink back to the dugout. Yeah, that's <laughs> stuff like, yeah, how is that? Like, uh, I mean, like, you know, I don't think we can do this. And then he does it, and, you're, and he says, you know, how was that? And you're just like, wow, man, this is, this is pretty neat to watch. So I just – I've – I feel grateful to be able to watch him play every day um, from such a close uh, vantage point and to be able to interact with him and, and to be around him all the time because, uh, you know, not only the baseball side of it, but he's a special guy too, you know, family man and, mm-hmm. and, and just a, a good overall person too. So it's neat to, to see that out of, out of somebody with such talent. So let's talk about another family guy and someone that's within the catching family and someone I feel like around here gets crapped on more than anything and shouldn't, and that's Andrew Knapp. I mean, you talk about a guy that has the trust in pitchers, trust in you, the ability, um, you know, and and it's it's a tough position to be a backup catcher in the league when you're behind, you know, like let's say two guys, Yadier Molina and and JT Real Muto, who's going to, you know, they're going to play the vast majority, if not every pitch. Uh, that they possibly can. I mean, what what's it like for you seeing the growth? I mean, you've known you've known Andrew for a long time now, so it, seeing the growth of Andrew Knapp, the player, the catcher, because uh, the person's always been the same. So <laughs> that, that, that that that's a standard. Yeah, um, he is in one of the toughest positions uh, in all of sport, really. I think um, you know I can kind of understand because that's what I did for 14 years, albeit you know, 99.9% of the time in the minor leagues. Um, it is so hard to be prepared and he is 
so well prepared when it is his day to catch. Um, like you said, he, he's loved by his teammates. He's a great person. And I tell you, his game has come so far. His throwing is uh, – people forget that he had Tommy John surgery his first year we signed him. So, I mean, he, he was going through the minor leagues trying to kind of recoup his arm strength and things like that. He's worked so hard in his footwork and things like that. His receiving has gotten better. Uh, the guy just never stops working. And, you know, I think it's, it's such a hard position that, you know, people will say, oh, he doesn't hit or whatever. Well, you go out there and try to hit once every 15 days and see how good you can do it. I mean, the, it's not easy to hit on an everyday basis, but then to try to hit once every 10 days or once a week or whatever the fact may be. And, and I think uh, you look and see who Andrew Knapp's starts are against, and it's unbelievable. We were going through it last year, and it's, you know, Scherzer, Scherzer, you know, Kershaw, like it's, it's like he gets everybody that 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 is difficult, and that's just how it works as the backup catcher. And he's done a tremendous job over the last few years of of kind of you know accepting the role, knowing what his job is on the team, and um, just keeps working and keeps working and keeps working. And and he's gotten himself so much better. Um, he's an integral part of the organization, integral part of this team, um, not only on the field when he's out there, but away from the field, the way he prepares, the way he helps, um, you know, the pitching staff and, and how he and JT get along. It's, it's really cool. Cause you don't see that very often. No. And I, look, I, I can understand Andrew Knapp, you know, in his, his role, I, I you know, that year it came up in, in 12 and hit 340 Cause I was playing every day. I played every day in the minor leagues, have every day at bats. I come up here and I play every day. It's just like the rhythm stayed right. And the confidence built, and then the next year, you know, people are like, "Oh, see, so you didn't, you you were who you were." It's like, no, I, I I didn't play every day. You're facing, you know, the Scherzers, the Strasburgs, the whatever, and it, it's it's nothing you're going to complain about, but it's just not the same as having every day at bats. Like having every day at bats facing Scherzer is one thing. Having no at bats and facing Scherzer, now that's a different beast, you know. And and so I I understand, but I feel like. With Andrew Knapp, it's the game calling that his focus is on. Like we talked about, you know, sometimes the, the, the hitting aspect of a starting catcher and everything, how it could take a backseat sometimes because you're worried about so much. Well, as a backup catcher, your main focus is the catching part. Really, the, the hitting stuff, if that happens, I'm sorry. That, that's got to be like, that's a that's a hat tip. That's a that's an extra, you know, topping on it for you. Like for me, I look at Andrew Knapp, the way he calls a game, the way he, you know, sets up, you know, the trust of the pitchers. Uh, his ability to you know block balls in the dirt, uh, continue the it, it's not the same catch and throw as JT, but the rhythm of the game continues on with an Andrew Knapp. Yeah, I mean he's I mean when when he steps back there, everybody has the utmost confidence that he is so prepared, um, that he's so ready to play that game, and you know that's a really hard thing to do, not knowing when it's going to happen. I mean he can prepare for a whole series. Um, you know, put hours in the video room, you know, hours of looking at looking at film, looking over scouting reports and then never play against that team. And I mean, eventually, uh, for most people, you know, you're going to take some time off because you're like, you know, I'm not doing anything. But he always is helping JT. He's always helping the pitchers um, somehow, even if he hasn't played in that series, he's he's made somebody better. And that's a special teammate. And that's how you become a really, really good backup catcher. And, and like I said, just an unsung position in baseball. Um, it's, it's unlike no other, really. 
no doubt. Hey, uh, what we started out with, and I said we get to, uh, we have to talk about, um, I mean, you don't have to, but I have to, is, you know, the, the whole thing with the Marlins, uh, with the outbreak, uh, the severity of it, as far as being, you know, they almost shut down the entire game, one team. Uh, you get in a routine, you get things going for yourself, and then you're, you're shut back down. What What goes through your mind in this whole thing? Yeah, well, first of all, it's scary to see something like that happen, um, an outbreak like that. Um, let's hope and keep our fingers crossed that, you know, the protocols are, are changing a little bit maybe over there or, or or within baseball that, you know, everybody's a little bit more serious about things. I think, you know, when you see something directly affect you, I think it changes things. I think when things don't directly affect you, you kind of never realize uh, – the, you don't grasp what could really happen but when something like this happens in our sport and essentially with us um i think you know there's going to be a, a little bit extra caution for things but you know the routine part of it is really hard uh, obviously we played the three games and then we're off for the next five days so that gets you all out of your routine which is unfair um everybody else gets to keep playing and as we've been talking about you know routine and and getting those consistent at bats and getting that consistent playing time is a big thing so these other teams are going to get that consistent playing time. But you know what? Right now, nothing's fair. Um, you know, this whole season's got going to be fair probably. I mean, the, it's not a, even close to a balanced schedule. Um, you know, the travel's all different for everybody. So, you know, we've just got to make the most of it. And hopefully, um, you know, we can get through this thing with the Marlins having the only outbreak of the season. We can get through a season. If we don't play 60 games, then, you know, I, like Joe's talked about, the winning percentage to me would be something mm-hmm. to – there's just to go by. I mean, it's just one year. It's just just this weird year, and we're we're doing it for the fans. We're doing it for for ourselves, for the love of baseball, and and you know maybe trying to get your mind off of it a little bit. Um, so I mean, I think whatever happens happens. I mean, if we make some rule changes, I know there's some talks about innings with double headers and things like that. Then you know it's for one year, and it's not the history of baseball. Uh, it's not going to ruin numbers because we're not playing 162 games anyway. So. You know, whatever we can do to get through a season and get to a playoff and have a champion, I think uh, that needs to be done. I agree. And I, I think if we get to a champion being crowned, it's a selfless year. I mean, it, look, you had a selfish moment with the Marlins, but it would show that you could look out for one another. And I feel like if you get all the way to the end, you did that. And I think people don't realize the mental side of this whole thing uh, of, you know, it's your whole routine's changed. Mm-hmm. You're told when you can come to the ballpark. You don't know where you're going to be playing next week. You don't know if you're going to be playing next week. You don't know if the guy on the other team has it. Um, you're playing with masks on. You're, you know, there's just so many different crazy things that are happening that mentally, uh, I think, is draining, especially on the players. Um, we were talking about it in the coaches' room the other day that, you know. It is mentally draining on us on on just doing things so different than we've ever done them before. But I don't have to play still, you know. Yeah. I, I, all I have to do is go coach third base. Like <laughs> I don't have to go hit. I don't have to go catch a game. I don't have to go pitch. Um, it, it's it, it it'll be definitely a champion. I mean, fingers crossed. We get through this whole thing, and to me, whoever wins this thing, it it'll definitely be worth a, a championship. No, and I I couldn't agree more. And I think you brought up something before. Um we got on was that this is as this is exactly like a college season right here as far as you, you lose a weekend series and you have a, basically five days off until the next series and then you go and it's it's it, the feeling of it is the same it's a little bit you know i'd say a larger uh, scale but 
uh, for guys like like Bryce who who only went to a JC. Um, he <laughs> he can revert back to this. It, it's like it, it, this is unbelievable. This is unprecedented. Yeah, I think the only difference probably is that you know the first practice back we didn't run for three hours and practice <laughs> running for three hours after that. Uh, you know, um, so that's about the only difference. But other than that, we're just practicing all week and getting ready for our next weekend series. Yeah, and it's like you, you gear up knowing that there is a doubleheader on Saturday against Blue Jays. You you can scout them, you can do everything, but you got to take care of yourselves. And like how how have practices been? The, you know, yesterday, today, you got one coming up. Uh, it, it, it trying to keep these guys sharp and keep their minds positive. How is it? Has that been difficult? I think so. Sometimes I think you know being totally off uh, Monday, Tuesday, we couldn't work out at all, waiting on test results and things, and then yesterday. Um, we were waiting on test results to see what time we could get in there. Um, so we were just guys were just hanging out at their places to, to wait and see if we if we can come in, when we can come in. Uh, so I think it's difficult, um, especially being so early in the season, even though it's a short season. I think with only being three games into the season and then having a shutdown, it's not like we were two weeks in. We'd only had one day off and then they're like, OK, well, you're not going to play a couple games. You're like, OK then you can almost treat it like a, a mini all-star break or something like that. But, you know, to only play three games, you're just starting to get in your routine. And then they're like, okay, you can't come to the ballpark for a couple of days. You're like, wow, now what do I do? This yeah. is what I do. Yeah. No, it's, it's incredible. And uh, it, you know, we're fortunate to be able to call these games when the games are here. And uh, it, it's great to see you from way up high. It just sucks. We can't have the, the personal interaction that we uh, normally do. Yeah, I think all of us miss it. I think, uh, you know, just the, just the the chat in the dugout before a game, before BP, or you know, seeing each other at the hotel for five minutes here and there. You know, just all those things. It's it's it, it stinks, but uh, you know, we got to make the most of it. Hopefully, we can get through this thing and uh, get back to some normalcy next year. Um, they can figure this thing out, and and we can get back to our somewhat normal life if it's ever totally normal again. <laughs> Well, Dusty, I appreciate you coming up, Pytar, for breakfast. Uh, it was, as always, like our talks that we've always had. Special. Appreciate it, dude. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Franny. And you're doing great things, buddy. Thanks, Keep dude. it up. Thanks. And there he was, and is, and every day. 62, Dusty Wath, and third base coach for your Philadelphia Phillies. And special, special guy. Uh Luckily, I've known him for quite a long time, so I, I just understand the consistency by the person that he is and the family guy he is um, and the love and absolute it, – it, it's beyond love for this Philadelphia Phillies organization. So, Dusty Wathen, I appreciate him for coming on Pontar for Breakfast. And this episode of Pontar for Breakfast was actually – it was sponsored by Yingling Traditional Lager. Elevate your taste, spread your wings. Again, the Phillies play doubleheader on Saturday, and that is against the Toronto Blue Jays. Start at 3.07 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and hopefully we'll see the Fightins get a doubleheader sweep and then move on to Sunday. But until then, enjoy yourselves. Watch some baseball. Get ready for the Phils and Blue Jays this weekend. Thanks for listening to Pine Tower for Breakfast. Peace! Kevin Fritz is out of here!
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 